0: Soul three podcast. I am Robert. Yes, and I am Reggie. And he is. Go ahead, Matt Ritterer. Uh, Matt Ritterer. <laughs> I say your name, but uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Welcome back, Matt. Yes. Uh, thank you. This will be our fourth episode with Matt. Thank you again, Matt, yeah, for joining thank you us. you For having me.
1: Is it the fourth? It might be the sixth. No, I think it's six P. Oh yeah, I think you're right. I think we success is actually what it was. Success. Uh, oh yeah. This is a throwback <laughs> to the on, old Chicago days. It.
0: Will you play the the Chicago Bulls intro song? Oh <laughs> <laughs> yes, <that's right. laughs> Please do that. That'd be great. <laughs> All right. And he is, and he is, and he is Matt Man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Well, he comes from Chicago. So there's a reason we're referencing this. Are you a (laughs) Chicago Bulls fan?
1: I was when I was a kid, yeah. Yeah, not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. you.
0: It's kind of like WWF. Yeah, yeah. As soon as they switch to WWE, it's like, I'm still a WWE fan. You're also still a nerd. (laughs) (laughs) And that's sad. Next thing I know, you're going to say you like anime. Who doesn't like anime, by the way? Moving on uh <laughs> so <laughs> matt's here today i'm trying to save you here please, if you like <laughs> anime, put a, no, please give a shout out yeah it, cut, he's gonna cut this part by the way but um, <laughs> 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 we're talking about trade-offs right yes. we're scanning because um, um, everything we do there's a trade-off yeah. And so if you would kind of just dive into that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, anytime that we're trying to do an image or trying to get pictures of our patient, we're balancing doing a balancing act, right? I mean, everything that we do, everything we do from the parameter standpoint, we're either changing our resolution, our signal, right, our contrast to noise ratio, our image contrast itself. And so we, we do a lot of changes on, on our parameters, but it's important to understand what we're actually doing. Cause if we don't know what we're doing, we're just button pushers, right? right? So we need to do more than just push buttons.
0: As you're pushing a button right now to yeah, use the mouse. Exactly. <laughs> well, well, Trade
2: offs always remind me of one of Newton's laws. It's like Oh, he's trying to sound smart. Now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and now I completely forgot what I'm where <laughs> 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 for every action there's a you know uh, No, I don't know. No, I don't know. Cut, we start over. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there's a counter reaction of yes uh, it doesn't have to be equal in this sense but there is an opposite or some sort of you know counter moving negative, on so yeah. scanning goals yeah <laughs>
1: so resolution you know, it's important to understand what each one is right so resolution is the detail we see in our image right right so the ability to see small structures in our image and we have signal to noise ratio which is the ratio between signal to noise and we always have some level of noise in our image there's always gonna be some baseline noise and we always want to just get more signal from our patient to off- offset that noise. So we have a ratio between signal to noise. For sure. Contrast to noise is something that we don't really, a lot of people don't understand completely. Right. It's the ability to see adjacent structures as well of similar tissues. So it has nothing to do with gadolinium per se. It's got nothing to do with gadolinium, even though gadolinium does affect our contrast to noise ra- ratio. Right. But really at the end of the day, I look at it as simplifying in one word. How blurry is our image? We can have a blurry image that has uh, plenty of signal in it. So, but we can't see the contrast very well. Right. So there's certain parameters that will blur our image and we'll talk about those as well. And then image contrast and uh, is another big one. Um, The ability to show tissue in specific ways and then scan time. I think that's one of our our all time favorites is going as fast as we possibly can. Nice. And and right, I mean, we right, a bit, it benefits, goal.
0: right? I mean, the patient wants you to get it done as quickly as possible. Right. Your employer wants you to get it done as quickly yeah, exactly. as possible. You got a patient waiting, or you got lunch, right? And and you got to go home for the day.
2: <laughs> Every patient has a threshold,
0: yeah, right? well, absolutely. And that's what I train people when I get these new techs. I was like, hey, man, you got to like, keep it moving, right?
1: Um,
2: yeah. don't leave that pause up for too long, yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> right. Don't let the scanner outrun you. I always say that don't yeah. let the scanner outrun you. I like yeah. that. You outrun We're the scanner, right? Yeah, use that. Yeah. 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 So, but you were absolutely right. We want to uh, reduce the round of repeats. Um, We want to make sure patients are comfortable. We want to make sure that um, uh, patients can get through the exam, right? Reducing artifacts, whatever that motion artifact is. But you're absolutely right. That takes proactive thinking, right? It does. Yeah. And making sure that when we're making our changes to try to go faster or get better resolution, that we're actually doing that for our patient and not just. Are there like key words when you're screening a patient that kind
2: of you already know there's going to be a mover? Like, I got, I got a code M <laughs> getting ready to put on the scanner,
1: right? Yeah. What I, does the M stand for? Moving? <laughs> <laughs> Going off the top here. Dude, <laughs> I would do a lot of, um, like, profiling patients. That was a big thing that we, we did at my site, where we had low patient satisfaction scores. And I don't know if you guys, your site, patient satisfaction, is, oh, yeah. Yeah, I think is huge. I think yeah. every place is huge. For sure. So I, I wasn't a big fan of our current process, so we did research on ours, and we would actually... Um, try to identify patients in specific ways where we can look and say, hey, are this is a high need patient. They, right. might, they might be moving, they might need a little bit more, maybe that warm blanket or something to keep them comfortable, that extra pad, maybe a little more talking to them to get them through the exam or an independent patient right. Was it like nineties country instead of today's country? Yes, exactly. Like yeah. that. No, not that, not that much talk, talk about media, <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> we all know those people. Yeah. Uh, but
0: yeah, you're absolutely right. So like, what, so then how do you, uh, so we would treat them accordingly.
1: So we would take all the results that we had gotten from their, their surveys. And then we would also have, we had in the process of this whole entire thing, we would have listed each patient on a piece of paper and what those profiles were. So we, took all that data and said, okay, well, in these independent patients, privacy is huge to them. So privacy was a big deal to them, where high needs patients, they wanted you to talk to them. And we would also separate them into introvert versus extrovert. So do people even want you to talk to them? I mean, like an introvert is like, just get me in, get me out. It was all about efficiency. Where the extrovert, tell me about the weather, tell me about that sports game last night, tell me, talk to me. Ease my consciousness about this whole process. So like,
0: I actually ask every patient, do you think you're going to sleep during this exam? Not every patient, but especially the ones early in the morning. Yes. Yeah. If you think you're going to sleep, it will probably just keep it running. And I can check in with you periodically. But
1: do you think you'll be awake? Do you want me to check in with you more often? Do you snore? Absolutely. <laughs> ask, just ask. I mean, I think that's the best way. Communication is our best tool. Right. right? Oh, to speed things up. That's one thing I Talk overlooked. to a patient. Yeah. And, don't, and, and it's perfect just to be upfront with that. You know, just say, are you do, you, do you feel like you can hold, are you claustrophobic in there? Do you normally feel claustrophobic in tight spaces? What do you spaces? call the ball? Um, we, uh, we're not supposed to call it panic ball, but I, I call don't, it call I never like that. We call it a call button. Yeah. See the, ah, but there's problems. With, okay. So I've always called it
0: the, the get me out of here ball, but I've just been told <laughs> the past couple of weeks, I'm not allowed to use that term anymore. Okay. So uh, I'm trying to come up with a new one, but I've always disliked panic ball because I think that can kind of psycho- psychologically yeah. like induce panic. Yeah. Like, why would I panic? Like, well, Racky. now you're like introducing the thought like that can... Maybe even would even consider that before.
1: That's, I've never really put too much thought into it, but you're absolutely right. There's probably got to be a good name that you can name it.
0: That, yeah, but call ball. So like, if but you then got they're a good gonna name. squeeze the ball if they don't like the volume on the music, and it's like, what if I was five minutes into a six minute scan? Yeah, like,
1: and I'm stopping it because you're. Yeah. You have you know, or I hate the ones where it's like um, where they like, they'll, they'll squeeze and be like, um, I can't. Uh, the music's uh, or before loud. you start scanning, yeah. the music's too loud, and then they start scanning. Um, uh, the, the machine, can you turn the machine down? It's too loud. Almost <laughs> no, every <we> time. Can't. <laughs> Or 20 minutes into a 30-minute
0: game, yeah, yeah. they go, I have my wedding ring on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're going to be fine. Well, yeah. your fingers still attached? Wait a second. <laughs> oh, oh, crap. We're almost at minute 21. Thank God he said something. <laughs> 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 uh, all right. I was just curious. But um, yeah. but it sounds like there's like varying needs for different patients. But, like, Absolutely. But that could change from day to day. They might be... Uh, category 1 yeah <laughs> as far as needy goes yeah. but right. one uh, one day and then a 3 the next
1: it could be, yeah depending on on the day so but but not to get too far off topic but
0: do you notice like the people who
2: consistently come back kind of gets it gets easier and easier for them
1: yeah i think so i right. would i would say yeah, as long as i think not knowing is the thing that keeps absolutely. people absolutely um but also knowing can scare people too knowing that they right. were in they there and for- they had one bad experience and now they're terrified Right. They're, they're well, I've ones. said this
0: more than once. It's interesting to me that a person will get into a metal box, which is their car, to drive to an MRI facility, then so get into a metal elevator, go downstairs, only to tell the MRI tech that they're too claustrophobic for their exam. And it's like, well, what what was it about those first two things that you're okay with? Well, I think they've done those two things before, so yeah. they're familiar with it. So yeah, control they know what to too. expect. Control, I think, is the big one. Right. Absolutely. Right. Just gonna say. And so I tell patients, that box, so with this ball, you have control. Your so control that ball. Is one thing I say. Yeah, I like that. Control ball. Control. I think too. This is your control ball.
2: Link's in I it. like it. You know, we'll do a survey. I want to see what everybody. Yeah. You know, what calls do things.
0: you call the ball? Right. Write it down in the like that, comments. Right? I'm curious because I think we just solved something here. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> One of the vendors are going to trademark it. Yeah, I know. It's like, oh, Jessica, we like that. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> so, um, but but one of the things we can do to go fast, right, is, is the pulse sequence we choose, right? We can right. choose so many different types of pulse sequences out there. Um, fast spin echoes, they're going to be our slow alternative, but they get the best quality image that we like. Um, we can go and do something like a gradient echo, where we can get the speed, but compromise a little bit of that image quality. Right. But we have choices and to go faster. Nice. But there's, some parameters that are really big, like TR. So oh yeah, here I've got um, a, a, just a, a silly video of a TR of someone running. So excitation is when we actually start the process of measuring something. Nice. And then after every iteration, we're starting this process over again. But in that period of time, we're doing something. If we increase our TR, what's actually happening is we're increasing the duration of time that we're collecting data, that we're, we're doing whatever we need to do. They got to run a longer distance. They got to run a longer distance. So it takes a longer period of time. Come on,
2: mm-hmm. man, you're almost there.
1: <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> hey. Yeah, it took him a while to get there, but Arms he did. Arms up, come on, man. <laughs> but as we decrease our TR, we decrease our scan time. But TR is a primary controlling for T1 contrast. So anytime you're doing a T1 weighted image, TR is going to control that level of contrast. Nice. It's super important. And we'll kind of talk about it a little bit more. All right. But um, shorter TRs, um, will give us a one If we go higher in our TR, we're going to lose that. Right. And I'm curious because everybody
0: has their own kind of like, and it shouldn't, should, you think it'd be more like standardized, but like what, do you, what is your limit on a 1.5 versus a 3T for a T1? Because that's the TR range. TR. Yeah.
2: T1 range is really the biggest different factor when it comes to 3T versus yes. 1.5, right?
1: Yeah. I always like doing the two concatenations if I can, like if it's, it's not going to kill me, um, on for a T1 and a 3T. Um, but I usually still keep it between 400 and like 800. Because I've heard okay. 400 is almost too low. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that as well. But I noticed that, like, I, I and I'll show you guys some pictures of some some uh, different TRs oh, nice. across yeah, on yeah. a 3T. And okay. you could tell me which ones you think are are good, good enough. Yeah, good or bad. Nice. So, um, but face phase encoding is another issue that we um, look at. And I've got some images here, just kind of changing our. our phase encoding on our image matrix. We know that phase encoding does control our scan time as well. So if we decrease our phase in our image matrix, we can you know, make our image look a little bit better. Sure. So if we have two images back to back, obviously, right. if we bring down our phase encoding, we're going to get a better scan time. But our image quality is going to suffer slightly. So, so phase matrix, phase encoding. Synonymous, right? So, yeah, phase encoding in the image matrix. So, we have a phase and frequency in our image matrix, the Mm -hmm. rows and columns that make up our pixels, the tiny little squares. So, when we're talking about phase encoding, that's what we're talking about either the lines or the rows in our image.
2: Right, the amount of data points that we're doing in the phase direction. Correct. Okay. Correct.
0: And when I see this image, it tells me, like, say, for example, if you had an MS lesion, you'd probably see it better with a phase 320. Correct any smaller yeah type any of smaller of pixel will give you better red. it yes. almost looks like an ms lesion right there below the ponds
2: all right Over. doc doc dr jansen that's you. thank you <laughs> they also call him dancing jansen so i almost messed <laughs> yes. up with that <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> dude got moves dude true got moves. <laughs>
1: tootsie <laughs> roll baby <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys do when you like let's say what is your big thing like what do you guys do to lower your scan times <clears throat> Different things um, depends on. Well, I, first thing I look for is the need
0: for oversampling. Right. Okay. So if I if it's built with a hundred percent and uh, you know it's A to P on a knee, you could probably redo some of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. But what happens to your signal to noise if you do that? Goes down, absolutely.
0: So I would factor that in as well, and I find kind of a happy medium. But um, yeah, that's probably the first thing I look at.
2: Yeah, right. I know tr two. Yeah, exactly. So one thing that people tend to kind of, well, newer technologists tend to kind of jack up, especially when it comes to TRs, optimizing your number of slices with your TR range, right? So sometimes people will not bottom out their TR if they increase slices or whatever on GE because it doesn't necessarily do it automatically for you on some of the older softwares. Um, And that will drastically change your times because sometimes if you add a couple of slices, it will double your time if you do not change you know, the can'ts and things like that. Like if you do not change your TR, so you have to look out for that. Uh, But, you know, parallel imaging. I mean, if you have enough coil to kind of activate that without kind of getting artifact, mm-hmm. that will definitely
1: cut your time in half. Yeah, right. just at least two coil elements in the phase encoding direction right. and your gold, And you can use that, but then what happens to your signal to noise? Drops. Yeah, so we gotta do something about that. Right, right? trade-offs. Ah! Yes, I
0: know those trade-offs.
1: <laughs> so here's here's an image here, if uh, you got one without parallel imaging and then one with parallel imaging. And you can kind of maybe see, I know it's kind of hard on, on this screen here to see the difference here. But pearl imaging is is helpful. I mean, it'll drastically decrease your scan time. To me, it looks about the exact same. Exactly. Yeah. So it's hard to tell. I mean, look at the the savings on time as well. Well, with a trained eye, if you look at the button, now let me stop.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Do you see any
0: plantar fasciitis?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I am surprised by what the rats can see, though. Yeah. And matrix makes a huge difference on that. Like, and you have these, you have some certain rats that can just see any, it'd be a motion image and they're still like dictating out, like it ain't no motion. And I'm just like, wow.
1: So impressive. So impressive. I love sitting with the rats. And and that's something, I mean, do you guys do that often if you guys have time to sit? As a protocol tech, we do kind of have time to sit with the rats and we kind of get to
2: understand what they need and why they need it for certain indications and things like that. And that's invaluable information. And, and protocol text where we work at try to kind of share that information through different ways of communicating whether it's at one of our meetings or through like a blog post or things like that but it is invaluable to be sitting with them, right?
1: Because oh, if you can think
2: like the rad, you can anticipate their needs when you have to make certain changes, right? Exactly. It's
1: like, what sequences do I need to make high res? And which right. ones can I save time on? If the patient's moving or... Right, if, if the patient can't, if they're going to tap out, then you
2: know, okay, this is really important for them. Let me just throw that, you know, let's say In for the shoulder, you know, or, or. Fa- you know fluid sensitive sequence or something or, yeah, yeah, things like that. Yeah,
1: absolutely. All right. You no, know, it's definitely helpful. But when it comes to... Um, shortening your scan time. A lot of people don't know that you could maybe squeeze a few seconds out of your scan by increasing your receiving bandwidth because it shortens your sample time and it squeezes all uh, everything closer together. So your minimum TR gets better. So I like to sometimes squeeze a little bit more out of my scan by increasing my receiving bandwidth. And it works the best on those gradient sequences. Like if you run like a vibe sequence and know, I forget what the GE equivalent of that is. Right. Um, But
2: It's uh, lava.
1: Is it lava? I want to say. If you increase everything bandwidth, man, you can drastically drop that tr, and your scan time can drastically reduce. Well, I'm curious now because when I ask you the same
0: question, what's the first thing
1: that you adjust?
0: when you want to decrease oh, that's,
1: that's a good thing. I I look at every, I, I try to look at the whole thing. There's not like a- A patient's thing. attitude? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I try to look at everything. Like, is it, is it is, it, is the TR going to, can I use my, is my minimum TR is probably where I go first. That's the easiest place to kind of uh, skimp on. But it depends on what sequence I'm running. Like, if it's going to be a gradient-based sequence, I'm going to my receiving bandwidth. That's Aww. like my place I go. I can bump that thing up and take my my scan time down.
2: Now you're inducing noise when you bump it up, right? Yeah.
1: So right. you have to compensate in some way. Right. But if I had some additional signal to spare, I did something else in the back end, then I'll right. go ahead and do it. And I hate doing this, but if I need to bring my phase encoding down a little bit to get some signal and then bump bump up my receiving bandwidth, I can right. get I can try to do a balancing act there. For sure. Um but receiving bandwidth is is huge. So if you we we'll look at an image here, Ooh. So this is not the the um, prettiest image in the world, but it's a minute and 50 seconds. But if I decrease it, here's a two-minute sequence. And, I, I mean, I this one looks a little bit worse to me. Um, right. I can see it for but, sure. Um, you can see the grain just
2: anteriorly a lot more on that first yeah. Plus it looks better. Like, look at
0: this, Reggie. Like, actually, on the screen.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah TV doesn't do it well. So they'll so, see it real good when, um, yeah. when I – Yeah. I mean, granted, it's only 10 seconds. But, again, I squeezed a little bit out of it. Um, not much, but a little bit. I think bit. that 10
0: seconds makes a big difference.
1: I think so, too. I think it does make somewhat of a difference. But equitrain length, that's, I think that's one we look at the most. Right? So we can increase the equitrain length to decrease that scan time. But what is happening to that image? Right? Why do we not want to do that? So if we look at an image where we have a low equitrain length, something like 11, you know, I might have a 2 minute, and 30 second sequence. And I can bring this down to a minute, 40 seconds. But there's a lot of blurring in my image. And this looks that. like a T2, right? It's a T2, yeah. Right. So is it worth the blurring? I mean, is our contrast to noise ratio benefiting from this change? I don't know. I mean, I guess it all depends on you know the patient's condition. Is, it, is this an important sequence for the radiologists? Right. Um,
0: well, what is this exam like? Is this are we looking at the hips and you're legs. trying to find the labrum, or is this like prostate pelvis? Or?
1: We could, could be. Let, let's let's let's. What 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 would you guys say would be an important one that we don't want blurring on?
0: I would say uh, a hip, sure. where you want to see the labrum, but also in our high res prostate. Right. So I don't... Yeah,
1: exactly. But if this was a routine screening pelvis, yeah, I would say it's fine. fine. Yeah. yeah. So. You have to play it by ear, I think.
2: Right. And every patient is a little bit different. I think that's what makes MRI techs who can manipulate the tradeoffs on a superior level kind of stand out. Like, the rats really appreciate those guys because they can look at a scenario and still get that best quality. Exactly.
1: Because you see the big
0: picture, right? You understand the purpose of this exam. Right. Exactly.
1: And we have a uh, so many parameters at our disposal right. and understanding what each one is, is, is important. Like we don't want to be button pushers. Like I, I, I don't want to be labeled a button pusher. I want to know what I'm doing when I change this button. You're right. far from it, bro. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, the whole
2: field is kind of going in that direction though, which is kind of the fear, right? Because if we do become button mm-hmm. pushers, then that, that tailored to that patient type of evaluation that we have will definitely, definitely decrease Definitely, definitely. I said that on purpose, but <laughs> simply because it's, there's a huge value in being able to make these changes on the fly to still get the best quality on patients who have a very low threshold on how long they
1: can be in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just invaluable to the radiologist. For I sure. agree. I completely agree with you. You know, we have so many parameters, like half four a year, which oh, we yeah. talked about. So half four a year is going to be this one where we can. Fill a part of our case space and then fill the rest with zeros. All right. So we can shorten our scan time. We use that a lot. Right. And so here's a, a bad image, but it's got no half for a year on it. Um, and then here, if we use it, we saved, you know, 30 seconds on it. But I mean, I think that this is a lot worse of an image. I, so I, some yeah. situations, maybe you could get away with it, but uh, other situations, you know, maybe not. But it's good to see comparison between the two sets of images, for see sure. if it's worth that time savings.
2: I noticed uh looks like, you know, no sap bin. Really, it might be superior or inferior, right? Yeah. Nice.
1: Yeah. So just to, just to kind of get an idea of what it what it looks at. And then did you guys, are you guys, you're familiar with like phase field of view, rectangular field of view? Yeah. Yeah. So I use that a lot, especially on long bones and stuff yes. like that. Yes. So you can it's
0: increase so the valuable. phase field of, you, of view was, and not have to adjust it, the... Resolution. Right, Right. and and I know... Maintain the same matrix, right?
2: Yeah. It was mostly kind of an isolation to maybe Siemens for sure and maybe Philips. I'm not 100% sure with Philips. But now I know GE with their newer software past 26 uh, you can actually manipulate the face for the view as well now on a percentage level, which is nice. So. That is nice. Yeah. And I know
1: that um, GE years and years ago, it's been a long time since I worked on a GE, but they wouldn't let you go above 100%. Right. They limited it at that. But then now that they opened it up where you can go above it, right. man, it's changed everything. Game changer, right. It was a game changer because now you could do those long bones and get them really nice and right. without altering your your image matrix. You can still get that right. really good.
2: Well, and I know in the textbooks they, they talked about uh, rectangular pixels, right? So is that still a
1: problem? That's still a problem, and I, I've got, I actually got an image to show you the difference oh, between it. Because nice. when we go and what we call it, isotropic pixels, these <laughs> rectangular pixels, they will um, impact our contrast to noise ratio right. when we hit when we get there. But rectangular field of view is kind of neat. I mean, we can shorten our scan time if we use it, and still have some pretty good quality images. Oh, you know, yeah. as long as we have the signal to noise ratio high enough to compensate for that change. So rectangle field of view is a great tool to use to shorten that scan time. All right, so let's talk a little bit about um, contrast to noise. So we don't really know too much about this one. And I think one of the parameters that we hear we we kind of hear a lot about but receiving bandwidth. Like what is it? Like what is receiving bandwidth? Right. We know that we Increase it if we want to decrease metal artifact or susceptibilities. We know that we decrease it to get signal in our image. But really, what is it? Like, what is it really doing for our image? Right. So receiving bandwidth is, to me, I use the analogy like a, a photocopy, making a photocopy of the anatomy itself. So I have options. I can take this anatomy, put it in a copy machine, and I can go ahead and use a short or a high receiving bandwidth or a low receiving bandwidth. If I use a low receiving bandwidth, my image is going to a low uh, low quality copy of the actual. It's like kind of putting a sheet of paper in a copy machine and making it a low low quality. Copy. Right. The DPI, right? Yeah. <laughs> low, yeah. It's a low quality image that comes out and it looks horrible. Right. But if you go ahead and you increase that receiving bandwidth, what you're doing is you're shortening your sample time, which you're getting a better look at that patient frequency. You're making a better copy of that patient right. frequency, so your image is going to look so much sharper. And so here's a, an an image here of two, two images here. Um, it's hard to see it on this screen here, but, um, you have, we have one at 200, one at 400, and you can see more of the detail in the bone. Does, at, at how does it affect susceptibility from susceptibility? It, so it's, if you increase your receiving bandwidth, you're going to decrease the susceptibility artifacts in your image. And so that's one of the reasons why you would increase it for like a, <clears throat>
0: a metal protocol.
1: Correct. But I'd like to increase it if I can, if I have enough signal at all. sequences because I'm making a better quality of the patient signal. Remember our patient's constantly producing signal and our job is to catch that signal at the time we want to demonstrate some type of contrast in our image. And so that's our job, but we have to replicate it as best as we possibly can and using that high receiving bandwidth is going to do that. It's going to give
2: us a high quality. And people will kind of sleep on this, but if they go too low, you kind of start getting like this little in and out of phase issue, like that chemical, artifact? Shift, chemical artifact. shift artifact. You bet, right.
1: chemical shift. Um, I actually got an image of chemical shift. Nice. Thank you, out of everything. I did, I tried. I tried. <laughs> 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 so um, uh, um, we know averages or next, GE calls them next. Right. But, um, do you guys know what that is? Do you know what that parameter is and what it's actually doing? Yeah,
2: so we're pretty much sampling a data point over again, right? Correct. So we're going... If so if you have one average, you're just going through that whole all that whole set of data once. If you have two averages, you're going through it twice, right? Correct. So, so yeah.
0: if you've got like four averages on a T1, that's one thing you can maybe decrease to decrease time is like uh, do a three average
1: instead of four. Yeah, you can bring it down. I had um, a tech once tell me, they were sitting on a scan, they're like, I'm going to get this to be the best resolution possible. And they cranked up their Averages next to ten, and they're like, "See, look at this! I brought it from four to ten. This is gonna look fantastic," and it looked all blurry because they averaged too much of, of the of the oh. image itself. Because there's a point where you can start averaging too much, right? You know, so. Plus, if so they just move once in that twenty-minute sequence, yeah, exactly, and it was like twenty minutes, <laughs> not not worth it. But if you if you run two sequences, one with one average, one with two averages, you can see that there's noise. Oh yeah, on the top here, and it's less noise on it. So I. I, I don't know. Are I these images that. that you did? I'm yeah. just curious. Yeah, those are images that I did.
0: And, wh- and what did you do it on? Um, I did it on a Vario.
1: Nice. So that is a
2: Siemens 3T?
0: 3T, yeah. <laughs> That's actually was my first car.
2: Dang.
0: Yeah. Really? hmm It's a good scanner. Yeah. Yeah. Did you fall in love? What was your first car?
2: My first car, well, if we're talking Siemens, it was an Esprit.
0: No, 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 just overall.
2: Uh, well, I learned on a GE first, so it was a okay. GE 16X. I want to say Signia. Yeah. Okay. Like Go, you know we're going around back the
0: back room, Katie. There. What was your Phillips? Phillips. Oh, wow. Wh- nice. Phillips. What?
1: <laughs> what was In, yours? Inge- uh, it was a GE. and uh, I forget the model of it. It was like 20 years ago, so Twin uh, Turbo. <laughs> <laughs> Horse and wagon. No, I'm <laughs> yeah, exactly. It feels like it. <laughs> I know right there's so many
2: <laughs> ge scanners out there I f- they you know they really uh help push the field forward especially during the beginning days for sure mm-hmm. and again with dl
0: software was like two back then yeah exactly <laughs> oh yeah 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 that was like what was, are there, we at now 29
2: yeah 30 just released uh with the new version of the dl that just came out so where you can get and actually i'll put a link in the description so we can actually go into more detail if you want to see that just watch that for sure
1: cool that's cool
2: yeah, yeah they're doing like that the deep learning is amazing oh my gosh game changer for the field it kind of turns this whole parameter trade off yeah paradigm on top of its head right it does yeah. it
0: does allow for the opportunity for like button pushers to thrive. It does, and so, it really does,
1: and it's a little scary. But yeah. still, at the end of the day, we still it's still, we still have control of our resolution. Right. We still have to peak that resolution. Still gotta
2: play the game. And
1: we still have to play the game, and our contrast to noise ratio still will be somewhat effective. Right. Right? How I kind
2: of imagine it is like, you're still playing the game of basketball, you're just using like an eight foot rim now. It's the 11 foot rim, so now everybody can make slam dunks, you yeah. know? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good, I like that. All right. <laughs>
1: But when we look at contrast noise, you can't talk about contrast noise without looking at echo, echo train length. So echo train length is a parameter that we use when we are talking about how many echoes we collect in a TR. And so if you look at two images here, ones um, at 25 echo train length and ones at a 12, you could see. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I I could see a big difference. One's blurry, right. one's, one's not. And so the blurry image, the 25 echo train length, is going to be a poor. Record. Contrast to noise ratio.
0: So as you increase it, it's inversely proportional as Correct. far as signal
1: goes. Little uh, contrast. Uh, contrast to noise ratio. So the blur. And, and yeah, we get less noise too as we increase our length. And then obviously, uh, contrast media does play a role as well. Right. Said, in our contrast noise, right. we give contrast. We can see things a little bit better in our image. Now resolution. <laughs> what are the parameters that you guys that you guys alter to get that good resolution?
2: Um, You know, you want a thin slice, right? Yeah. 3Ds are big on high res. Yeah. Matrix. Image matrix, matrix, yeah. Yeah, so that's a big one. Um, So slice thickness, matrix.
0: Resolution, which matrix. Um, Is
2: there another one? There's one more. There's one more. PlayStation, Matrix, and Field of View. Yes, yeah. ah, <laughs> sneaky F O V. That is it's sneaky. Yes, <laughs> <You laughs> sneaky F O V.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's good,
1: uh, but uh, slice thickness is, is a big one. So what would you have to do with your slice thickness to make it better?
0: Uh, you have to lower it for sure, right? Yeah. So yeah. you
2: want to shrink that gap in between each slice.
0: And
1: then, So what's the trade-off for that? So the trade-off is going to be um, signal-to-noise, right? You're going to, mm-hmm. if you increase your uh, slice thickness, you decrease your resolution, but your signal-to-noise increases.
2: Then um, your coverage too, right? Yep. So you end up having to add slices, which means you need more tr. So it's ended up kind of sometimes end up being time too.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And then um, you said image matrix. So right. Image matrix. What do you do to your image matrix? To right.
2: You? So you want to boost it. So and it's always funny because uh, the textbooks will tell you like, okay, a fine matrix is like greater than three twelve by two fifty six, and then a coarse matrix is like two fifty six by two fifty six, and then a uh, Or two fifty six by one ninety two, and then the mid range is like two fifty six by two fifty six, right? But I guess you would want to definitely increase the amount of data points that you're doing, right? So you want to like
1: go like five twelve, or or just pretty much boost it. Yeah, but you know, there's there's this. This is the one that always gets taxed. It's not about the number we're always hung up on this like image matrix that it has to be nothing less than five, five, uh, you know, 256 by 256. Nothing right. less than that. That means nothing to me. Those right. are just numbers. What means more to me is the ratio between the field of view and my image matrix. Because right. I can have a field of view that's huge and a 512 by 512.
2: Now what's a huge field of view? Um,
1: maybe let's say I have like um, 30, uh, 360. Okay. 360 millimeter field of view, 512 by 512. And you're gonna say, oh my God, that's really good. That's really good. Right. Well. If I decrease my field of view to something like um, maybe 160 and I do 192 by 192, it might be the same size pixel. I have to do the math. I don't have a calculator on right. it, but um, it might be very similar in size of pixels. So it's really the ratio between field nice. of view. It, it, our field of view matters. It's not right. just the image matrix. Right. Image matrix is just a number. It's what the relationship to the field of view is that actually matters. Right. So So as you
0: increase the field of view,
1: you'd want to, how does that affect with resolution? What would you want to do? So what happens to your resolution when you increase your field of view? Goes down. down. So you'd have to increase your image matrix to balance it out. Right. But think of this, like anytime that I'm trying to optimize an image from a resolution standpoint, what happens when you get a bigger field of view? Let's say I'm scanning ahead and I go from a nice fitting field of view to something bigger. Well, half my pixels are going to be making up air. Right, right? right. So I might have a small pixel. That's great. Wonderful. But if half of them are making up air, it means, I mean, I'm not getting anything diagnostic on the patient. Right. It's better to make a tighter field of view and smaller pixels because right. I'm having more makeup the brain than having this huge.
0: You look like a 240 to me.
1: A two forty, bro. two you're gonna on a sagittal. <laughs> on no, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> How about a, a, a two thirty with oversampling for the nose? <laughs> <Yeah. Okay. laughs> no, that's hilarious. I know when it
2: comes to the radiologists, there's uh, there's like looking at MS plaques or they're looking at the nerve. Uh, I'm neuro, so I'm I'm very sure. versed with that. Um, they want to be able to kind of zoom in. Yes. And the more you zoom in with the lower matrix, the blurrier it gets. So they really like to have higher matrices when they're looking at finer structures because they can kind of zoom in and really dial in the report. So for example, like yeah.
0: IACs or something? Yeah, like okay. IACs. Trigem. Seizures. Seizures, yeah.
2: seizures.
1: Oh yeah. Seizures is a big one. Uh, trigem on there. Yeah. Any of those. So when you, you use an image matrix, let's say we use something that's not the same. Like if we go from 256, 256 to 256 by 192, what happens to the image that we actually acquire? And so. It actually changes slightly when we go with an anisotropic pixel. We actually lose a little bit of that contrast noise. ratio. We blur our image a little bit in, in the process of doing that. Now we ask ourselves: Is that worth it? In some situations, maybe it is worth the blur, but right. um, it's not substantial. But it's enough,
2: right? Because
1: it, it comes down to the structures that we're looking at, right? Yeah,
2: right. Like if you're looking at small structures, you definitely don't want to go too low on your matrix because it's going to blur everything, right? Yeah, and then. Intravoxel. I know you probably already have a slide for this. Intravoxel, <laughs> and I call it intravoxel aliasing, but that is wrong. But when two uh, image, two uh, tissue contrasts, kind of share the same voxel.
1: Yes. Um, so and it um... kind of blur.
2: Uh, yeah partial volume averaging partial volume yes
1: averaging. so we have a lot of tissue in one voxel yes uh, different tissues right
0: yeah, absolutely and we want to stay away from is there that. anything you don't know how many dimples are there on a golf ball i have no idea 336 look at that you have made you them have them. Made yes them finally you them made me. <laughs> so Good. here's a
1: picture of partial volume oh yeah so you got it right here and then here's one without it same yeah. Slice, but you can see all this tissue partial volume. In there. Oh, it's not the same slice, so you see it's well, the same area, yeah. But, same it, area, yeah. but look, once 10, 10 millimeters thick,
0: oh, I see. Oh
1: man, so like this yeah.
2: intravoxel aliasing, which is not the right term, sorry,
1: partial volume averaging,
2: partial volume
1: averaging. But intravoxel aliasing recording. makes perfect sense, too. Right? Yeah, yeah. still recording, go. so. We, we can look at um, image matrix and field of view as is also another one as well. So if we look at field of view, obviously, if we have two images with different field of views, we have all those pixels making up air. Right. It's not helping us up, and we have very few pixels actually making up the anatomy. So, oh, yeah.
0: And it's easy for somebody to just simply want to increase the field of view, but there yeah. is consequences to that. So people there should is. be aware of that.
1: Yeah. Now. Signal to noise is like a big one, but I mean, now it's kind of moot because we're talking about you know deep learning and how deep learning can benefit us you know in terms of that. But you know back in the day, like what do you guys do today if you don't have deep learning? What do you guys do to get some signal back in your image without touching your resolution? Because we know that if we decrease our resolution, we get more signal. Right? Do you have parallel imaging on? Because if you do, sometimes I'll turn that off. I like that because that's reversing the process. Right. I Many people don't think about the reversing process, but right. you're absolutely right. That's perfect. Right. Oh, you stole my answer. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, I mean, there's different things you could do for sure. Bandwidth,
2: um, right? You can lower your bandwidth.
0: Bandwidth. Yeah. Yeah. You could actually
1: add oversampling. Oh, you can. Yeah. yeah. That's a great one. As Sample long as there's tissue data. there. Sometimes right. you get, it's like a, a false, like you think if there's no <gasps> tissues outside of that and you're just sampling air, it's not signal. And
2: it will still add to your relative Estimate, signal. To yeah. Noise. Relative estimated signal. Yeah, and I hate
1: that because it's not true. Yep, you right. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, but averaging is a is a is something good. I look at it as coats of paint. I was I was taught this by uh, actually you know Bill Faulkner told me this, had and I loved Bill. it. And it was um, that averaging is like putting coats of paint on your image. You know, like if you have a wall that is needs to be painted, and you ha- it's all just a noisy wall. You could slap a coat of paint on that wall, and you can hide some of that noise over signal. I love that. But if you go ahead, you could put another coat on there, and if you put another coat on there, you'll hide it even more. And you can keep putting coats of paint on there to get more signal. Dude, that is it's a, a rap song. Great. I love <clears throat> abstract Rude at Coda Paint. Google it. <laughs>
2: that is a great analogy too. I Isn't it? it? Actually, really is. It, it really paints the picture. Oh, <laughs> I like it. <laughs> <laughs> <With Guy. laughs> oh, very
1: nice, very nice. But if we throw up two images next to each other, you can see that you're going to get definitely get better signal, better quality if you have two averages opposed to one. Nice. But you, know, you also said receiving bandwidth, right? You said lowering your receiving bandwidth is a yeah. nice, easy way to get some signal. And it's important to kind of look at what it does to your image. Now here's an image where you can see that chemical shift. Remember Can you window chemicals? level that for me,
0: please? I wish, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice.
1: But chemical shift, you can see that there's this bright area on one side here oh, of the yeah. prostate, and there's a dark area, this chemical shift. But if I increase my receiving bandwidth, it kind of goes away. I don't see as bright of an area here or right. as dark of a line there. Um, but we get more of an accurate representation of our tissue. So it's always better to manipulate we, our image that way. And I know we're not talking about artifacts,
2: but Indian ink artifacts or, I don't know, fine line I think sometimes it's called. Isn't it? I'm
1: hearing bone too. bone, that's the other way. Yeah.
2: And that's really when it, like, the dark lines are really just popping out, right?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a corrupted uh, pixel inside the um, case space. Yeah, yeah, so then it generates this inaccuracy across your entire image. Right. So. Nice.
2: So that doesn't mean you have a high-resolution image, by the way,
1: ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just no. to be clear. <laughs> but what's like important to you guys? Like, a lot of times we think like... Image contrast, right? We got right, T1, right. we got T2, we've got diffusion imaging, we got flow imaging, we got PD imaging. Right. Um, there's different things that we can do to represent our image. Each one holds a different power in itself, but it's our job to make sure that we represent that contrast. And I always like to plug the word contrast because it sometimes gets confusing and replace it with differences. Right, we wanna oh. see differences between tissues. Right. We so that's where like echo-train link plays a big part? Um. Yeah, it could play a, a part in that th- with our different, anything that, encoding maybe? Yeah, phase encoding. I think with our contrast to noise ratio, I think it's kind of where you're leading with it. Um, but when you look at your co- image contrast, we want to make sure we can see as many differences as possible um, between our... our uh, we want to see as many differences between different tissues in the right fashion. Launch magnetization, uh, transverse magnetization.
2: Right, because there's a reason why we have these different image contrasts, right? Yeah. And we build protocols depending on indication based off of how these... These image contrasts provide information.
1: Yes, absolutely. And if we have T1, what does T1, what 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 does fluid look like on a T1? It's gonna be dark. Yeah. If you do it right, it's gonna be real dark. Exactly, it should be dark and fat. What color is fat? Fat's gonna usually be still bright. Yeah, it's gonna be bright. So we wanna make sure we see that type of contrast in our image, because then anything that's fluid is gonna be dark and anything that's fat is going to be bright. We can use that as our you know, our go-to when we look at our an anatomy on our image. For sure. Now, if, if we go too low, there's a sweet spot, right? When we talked about sweet spots of TR, mm-hmm. and we said TR controls T1 contrast. If we go too low, I'm not going to have enough signal to represent the yeah, image, Exactly. right? It's going to be really not so good. But if I go too high, my image is all signal. I have all this recovery of launch field magnetization, and it's just a bright image. Look at that fluid. It's not really even that dark. Right. But if we find that sweet spot, like this is a 600. We can still see a really nice contrast, gray matter, white matter, fluid in the ventricles. And sometimes and and there there is
2: usually like uh like a, a gateway or a threshold with that sweet spot, but each scanner I'd notice has their own little sweet spot whether they're six hundred or six fifty type of thing. You yes, know? yeah. So you do really have to cater to each one of your uh
1: your cars, I like to say, your automobiles when it comes to finding that sweet spot. It is. And and I like just to kind of like, like, to your point, which is perfect, is find that range. And within that range, just play. Take right. an image at each point. Take one at, if you, if you say 400, 800, okay, take one at 400. Take one at 500, 600, 700, 800. Which one looked the best? Right. And that's going to be that sweet spot for that scanner, that patient. Awesome.
2: And and I don't know to speak to this, and maybe you can, but sometimes when you pull out of the Siemens tree or the GE tree, ideally I think I want to
1: say, hey, this is the sweet spot for this scanner, Mm -hmm. but that's not necessarily true. At least it might not be. Right. And and it's always good to play because your room can play a role in it. The homogeneity of that field can play a role in it. So just playing, especially with inverse recovery sequences, those sequences, you want to make sure that your fat sats, you know, when we start working with some of those sequences. Right. Nice. Yeah and then we have T2. And now what happens okay I, what I said TE controls T2 contrast. Mm-hmm. Do you alter your TE a lot? Mm-mm. No, it's pretty set. It's pretty set. Right. Now what does TE do to your image? Like if you were to use a low TE versus a high TE?
2: So the higher your TE, the more signal you're definitely going to lose. It
1: affects the contrast.
0: How so? 2 less, less contrast will be seen. I'm reading your...
1: <laughs> a, no. yeah, you're like, pretty much like, letting you, you know me how, much, me the answer, <laughs> how much transfer
2: magnetization you're going to actually uh, listen for, right? So if, if, you, if you really want your fluids to be bright, you're going to want a higher TE because you're going to be able to get
1: more, more T2 contrast. T2 contrast. Yeah. So like, let's look at some images here. So we do a low TE. This is 10. Everything's kind of bright. And yes, we do see some contrast in there, T2 contrast. It's a nice, smooth, more of a gray scale to it and then we go to something like 900, which, you know, so we get more contrast T2 contrast to it. Then if we go to something like, um, this is supposed to be 180, sorry, Um, 180, you could see just a high difference between that contrast. Now for me, I change my TE, depending on what I'm looking at. Like if I'm looking at a lot of cysts, well, that's kind of defined. I want fluid to be bright in contrast to everything else. Right. Just like we do for MRCPs. We use a high TE so we can make the common bile duct pop out through all the other tissue that we suppressed, essentially allowing them to decay. Right. But if I'm looking at a small like lesion that's maybe got some some low density to it, I'm going to want to use a lower TE so I can really catch all the borders of that and really get a good look at that lesion if it doesn't have these high differences between signal intensity. So. I like to change my TE depending on what I'm kind of looking at. For but sure. again, I, I, if your radiologist govern all of this, if your radiologist doesn't want you to do it, anything that we talked about today in terms of changing anything is dictated by the radiologist. We have
2: one rat in particular that does, it, when we do a T2, he wants to make sure that it's above 90. Like an 80 is just not good enough when it comes mm-hmm. to TE. Sure. He wants it to be above, it has to be at least above 90. And he actually retired last Who's week. So. Oh, Cranstar. Yeah. So big shout out. Great educator. Uh, a, a big loss to us. So Dr. Cranstar, if you're watching this, man, appreciate you. Maybe we'll get you on the podcast if you're willing. Ooh, hell retired.
1: Yeah, yeah <laughs> but great rad. Very cool. So PDs, what do you guys know about PDs? Do you guys do a lot of PD sequences? We did. Uh, so we were doing more
2: PDs. Uh, before, I guess the STIRs were mainstream. <laughs> okay. But we don't do as much PDs anymore, um, actually, at all, actually, that I can think of in the brain, at least. We do in MSK. We yes. We still do a lot of proton Cartilage, scans. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So PDs are kind of reserved for that at this point. We used to do a lot in, in the brain, but then with, you know, flare imaging and all that, we yeah. don't really do much anymore.
0: But yeah, PDs. Flare, is- sorry.
1: Yeah, with PD imaging, we don't, we just want to get rid of T1 contrast and T2 contrast. That's essentially what a PD is. It's looking at an image that doesn't have the T1, so we have a very high TR. Mm-hmm. We don't have T2, so we have a very low TE. And then we get an image that, you know, looks like a PD-weighted image. I want a special contrast there. But here's one that I think is like, this throws you off. This threw me off. This gets me excited because I think a lot of us as techs, we sit there and we want to go as fast as we can on and I think one of the sore points, as you said, is what is the first thing that you do to cut your scan time down? Right. TR, right? Oh yeah. So like when you look at a flare and you see that TR, it's 9,000, but your lowest TR you could go is like a thousand. Right. You're like, oh man, like what if I could just go to the, it's, I mean, it's supposed to be, it, it, I mean, what if I went down to 4,000? What if I went down there? What does that do to my image? It's a huge cut in my scan time, right? If I'm at 9,000, I go to 4,000, right? Man, that's a huge cut. Right but what is happening to our image and i think that's so important to look at so let's look at an image here i took this image on this patient with uh it's a flare 200 and a 2500 millisecond tr Mm -hmm. i ran it again with a nine thousand, and i would have missed all of that yeah it really
0: illustrates the point right there that
1: the point is we can't cut corners there's a reason why we have set limits for things and we can't cut those corners. So I had a a technologist that was doing that consistently because they were just like trying to rush through these exams as fast as possible. But how many lesions did that technologist miss just because he was cutting corners? Right. So we have to be very careful that we're not that technologist. Right. We're doing what's best for the patient.
2: If you don't know why you're changing, like if you don't have a reason or, you know, like, I don't know, if if you don't know what the trade-off is, then I always suggest you just not touch it, honestly.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. That's what I
2: tell everyone. Because then when the rat asks, hey, so why would you do this, you have kind of an answer, right? Yeah, exactly. Versus just being like, oh, I just wanted to lower scan time. It's faster. It's faster. Yeah. It
1: was my turn to go and break. Right. It was my (laughs) turn to go. (laughs) So, but we also could look at diffusion-weighted imaging. um, And what is the parameter that controls diffusion-weighted imaging? Like it's unique to diffusion weighted imaging. I would say then b value for sure, right? Yeah, b value, right. absolutely. So right. b value is going to be brownie in motion. The brownie motion, the thermal <laughs> movement of water. Yes. <laughs> My single nerve moment for this episode. <laughs>
2: <laughs> There's been more than one.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, but if we look at an image, like we know that a b value of zero is not going to really see that diffusion. The higher we go on the b value, the more diffusion we see. Right. But the trade-off is like the thing would be well man, if I could go as high as I want on that B value, why don't I do that? Right. But the problem is if I go too high, I'm also introducing more noise into my image. Right. So I, th- I have to find this balancing act between getting this diffusion in my image versus right. um, you. Okay.
2: Oh, can we talk? So how does calculated B values really play a role? Because I'm kind of interested in that. Because ADC or? Yeah, so they do the, like this whole like you can, they do like mm-hmm. the 1600 for the prostates. And I'm like, okay, if oh, we can yes. just calculate B values, then why can't we just calculate, like we do like, of course we need maybe one or two, but then we can just have a bunch where we're just calculating like 800, yes. 1200, and then 1600,
1: right? Yeah, because it, it's it's based on, from what I was told by a radiologist, they didn't like it because they said it wasn't real and it was kind of based off guesswork. Um, Aww. and, and I don't know if that's true or not. So I don't want to be quoted on that, right. um, but, um, they didn't like it. I thought it was, I had the same idea. I thought that was right. going to be a good idea. Why don't you, if it's such a bad quality image at like 2000 to B value, which is where they want it, right. why can't we do it at a thousand it for 2000? Cause then we can balance it. And right. then we did that a few times and it, I mean, it looked okay to me, but I, I You right. know, I don't know if. They didn't really care for it what themselves. the value is from yeah.
2: the rad side,
1: right? From the rad side, yeah. Cool. So but that's neat. That's a that's that's an option with a B value as well.
2: I see a little eddy currents in the image on that, right?
1: Oh, yeah, a little bit of, yeah, it looks like an eddy current. Nerd there. moment number three. God, it. <laughs> We're gonna track that for the record. But what do you what, what parameters do you need to face contrast? Ooh. What, what say what's it again? Face contrast imaging. So like if let's say you do um cardiac. cardiac yeah, cardiac. What, what is the unique value to those face contrast image? So we're talking about
0: vanc, I guess, right? So, so Vank would be that. Usually it's around 200, and then you would deviate based on aliasing.
1: Correct. Right. Correct. And if you, it's too, let's say you see aliasing, what do you do? Usually increase it by about, what, 30%? Is that what it is? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. I usually just feel it out. You get to a certain point where you can feel it out a little bit. being
2: really modest right now. He technically writes textbooks on cardiac MR. (laughs) Really? Go to the website. Nice.
1: (laughs) Very cool. But yeah, so so bank, depending on what your bank is, you'd adjust accordingly. So that, that, that would have Ily Sing in the first one over there. So you'd have to adjust it. And I
0: know, and I don't usually do it as often as other techs do, but there's a way that you can actually go into their echo um, lab report really? or echo results
1: and oh, yeah. find that vank from there. Oh, oh yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. The velocity of the mm-hmm. flow, right? Mm-hmm. What is it? Uh, all, um, I can't remember right now. Um, um, not injection fractions, c- but. Is it centi- centimeters per second? Because you do have to
2: do a conversion, right? Is there a slight conversion with this? Uh,
0: So if I'm being honest, I never do it because honestly, if I just have to run another one and bump it up 30% or whatever it may be at the time, it's just another 10 second breath hold. So
1: I'm like, and, you can, and it would have taken me four yeah. minutes to look up that echo. Result. And you have to wait anyway. You have a delayed p- imaging, yeah. you know, so you have delayed Aww. imaging. So you have this whole period of time you're waiting, like ten to twelve minutes. Right. So you might as well rerun whatever you need, you know, during yeah. that period of time. So. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. and does their the heart? That's what
1: I do in my four chamber, by the way. But. oh, really?
2: The Vink is affected by the heart rate, right?
1: Um, it's well, car, car, I think about velocity. the turbulent flow. Yeah, it's, oh, it's flow. Okay. So. And, and different flows are going to have different banks. So, like, if I'm doing cerebrospinal fluid flow study, right. I'm going to use a very low a link lower, right? bank. So, my bank is going to be sensitive to a lower velocity of tissue. And right. so, that's another time you would do it, right, on CSF flow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you can still see those same artifacts. Right. All right.
2: So, you don't want to see that white,
1: chopped-out
2: area, right? That's the aliasing. That's the aliasing. Which, some people, I feel like, get confused by that. Yes. Because and
0: it'll kind of look like a TV with poor signal back in the day, right? Yeah. Like, right. it'll be right over the area of interest. Right. So if it's outside of the whatever it is, if you're looking at the aorta, like the ascending aorta, but it might be outside of that, and that's okay. Yeah. Is there a reason why they call it aliasing?
1: It's because your signal's wrapping on itself. Nice. So you, it, it, the system gets confused because the velocity is above what you're sensitive to. So it thinks that it's going – it's the opposite right. flow. So, right.
2: And I think of it, and this is weird for me, but I think of it in the aspects of case space versus image space in this aspect, where you have, and if you have that chart system where it looks like a T, right? And you have your positive up here, your negative down here, it's saying that it's this point down here when it's really that point up here type of thing. Kind of. Yeah, yeah. kind of,
1: yeah. yeah, I don't know, yeah. No, no, but you're right, If you look, I look at it from that, there's that circular of, of signal where it's darker and then it gets brighter where oh, you're weak. sensitive to it, then it kind of flips the signal. Right. So it's, it confuses the s- signal that way. Nice. Right. Yeah. Is there cool. anything you don't know? I I don't know a lot you of things. You didn't it's... know how many ball or I didn't know ball, how You don't know <laughs> oh, mean was wrong, a
0: golf ball. <laughs> I didn't know Take that. Like... What are the only two <laughs> baseball teams that don't end with an S? Uh, I have no idea. I'll give you a hint, you should know one. And if you think of that one, then you'll think of the other. This is going to be on C- the CE quiz, so pay
2: attention. And the other one I oh, was no, I don't
1: I don't know. I don't You got yeah, me. You got it. You got Did it. Got it. What's You're the on
0: other the... one? White Sox and Red Sox. Oh yeah, okay. And so interesting that's just what i bring to the table look at that yeah you
2: spell reggie with two g's or one A two right my guy yeah
0: so
2: i know, know how to guys. make multiple courses
0: try to make some. an og <laughs> co- <laughs> joke there but
2: well i mean i think that's everything did we miss anything
1: <laughs> i don't think so i think I that's think so. everything. valuable
0: either. information you're awesome matt thank you thank you um and if you have any questions you can always go to his website what is your yeah. website uh
1: www right advantage r-i-t-e advantage.com and you're always available to answer those questions. always available so a
2: lot of these animations that we're seeing you actually have on your website and everything too right explaining these concepts which i think visual aids are so valuable when understanding these complex like you know um topics really honestly so we do appreciate it so you offer
1: like training courses on your website correct yes right with uh, optimization or cardiac or mrso or mri training as well yeah, right. Very Man. cool. You're awesome. Nice. Thank you, Matt. Thank
0: you. Um, all right. Well, Zone 3 Podcast, thank you for watching. Thank you, for subscribing, Reggie. Um,
2: yeah, yeah I, I appreciate everybody out there. Katie? Nothing. Great, thank you.
0: <laughs>
2: we have that on a loop <laughs> for every episode.
0: Just say we're out, Reggie. Just say it.
2: Zo 3 podcast, we are out. It's good. <laughs>